morning. Glad you guys are here. Glad you're joining us online. For those of you who don't know, my name's Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are working into week three of a series we're calling This Is We. And so for the last three weeks, last couple weeks, and for all of August, we're working through four guiding values of what it means to be a part of this thing we call we. And before we get into week three, I want to do a little mental exercise. I know for some of you, this is the middle of the summer and you're still weeks away from really having to think about using your brain. For some of you, you don't ever use your brain anyway, so it doesn't make a difference. So, hey, hey, I love you. I love you just the way you are, okay? Um, anyways, <laughs> um, is I want you to think back over the last two weeks, if you can think, don't say it out loud, but if you can think back, if you've watched it, been part of the services last two weeks, if you can think about what the first two guiding values are, this is the moment that really reinforces what a horrible communicator I am because nobody remembers. But I want you to think, try and think, and if what you think of, I want to give you a way to grade yourself, okay? If you can think of this, if you can think... Well, one week he talked about a farm, and one week he talked about Wally. -E. That's a B minus, okay? So that's how you can kind of grade yourself on where you're at, okay? Okay? Uh, if you haven't seen them, you should go back and find them on our website or on Facebook. But here, we're going to look back, and I want to invite you to say them with us together, wherever you are this morning. And so we're going to look back. Week one, this is what we said week one, one of the guiding values for us as a church was this. We are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers will never insult God with small thinking and safe living. I love that one. Man, that's why we did it week one, because it just gets me all riled up to think about the, I mean, th this, this is another way I'd ask this question. If, if you were to think about that you could do anything for God and you would be guaranteed not to fail, Anything that, anything in your wildest dreams that you could do to serve God and you would not fail, what would that be? Well, that's, that's what it means to live this out. That's what it means to live this. That's what faith is. Uh, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says this way. He says um, uh, that faith is the assurance of things not seen. And so we're inviting us as a church to walk in this kind of faith of a boldness of following God, no matter what it costs. Uh, week two, we, we talked about this. This is week two. Um, I loved week two. This is, you know, good and encouraging, uplifting, really, you know, life. We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. The church does not exist for us. We are the church and we exist for the world. We are the church and we exist for the world. I wonder how it would change our nation and our world if we all took that last sentence and lived every ounce of our life that way. Bill Hybels famously said uh, about a decade ago, he said this phrase, he said, the church is the hope of the world. Now, now I, I, I think it might be more theologically accurate to say that the, ho the church is the vehicle by which God dispenses the hope of the world, but that doesn't quite have the same ring, does it? Falls a little flatter. But I hope after last week, after digging through this, that we understand that uh, Jesus says this way, that by your good deeds, they, they might see and worship and glorify your Father in heaven. 
That we are here not for us, but we are here because there's a dark, dying, a world that desperately needs the hope and life of Jesus. And, And God has sent us on this mission for that. So this week, this week, if you missed the last two weeks, you should go back and watch them. But this week, we're getting to week three of what it means to be a part of this thing we call MCC. So here's, here's the statement this week. Um, it's super important to me for a lot of reasons. For a lot of reasons, it's super important. And I would answer it this way. I'd tell you this. Listen to this. This is important to remember all the way through. This is super important for a lot of reasons. And every single reason has a name. Every single reason is a person of why this week matters so much. So we say this, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is is reaching, we'll have to do things no one is doing. Now here, here, uh, just for a moment, okay, some of you, as I read this, uh, your stomach's got a little tight, you got a little uncomfortable, your blood pressure raised a little bit, you got a little uncomfortable with this whole idea. And, and here, I want to I wanna suggest to you that if you're a church, you know, if you're a church person, um, this week of our four weeks may be the most uncomfortable week of all of them, <laughs> and next week we're talking about money. Like, just to put it in perspective, Right? It may be the most uncomfortable, but I'd encourage you not to shut down in this moment. But in your discomfort, just sit with me for the next 20 minutes and see if maybe God wants to do something in our discomfort. So this week, we're going to look at a story in Mark 2. If you like to follow along, you can turn to Mark 2. We're going to look at the very last verse of a story, and then we're going to circle back around to the beginning of the story, okay? Are you with me? So Mark 2, verse 17, it says this. Let's get into it. It says this. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, we'll worry about what all this stuff is up here, but he said this, he said this crazy thing, right? Remember last week we talked about that a lot of times we talk about how uh, ridiculous and stupid the disciples look a lot of times, and it's because Jesus says crazy things. Some of us have spent enough time in church that we've started to think that the things that Jesus says is normal and logical, but we've lost the shock value of what Jesus says that just astounded the world. Says this, It is not the healthy who need a doctor. That's not that shocking, right? But the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, now here's what I I want you to hear, okay? If you're new to this Jesus thing, if you're new to trying to figure this out, if you're not quite sure, here's what I want you to hear, okay? Look at the words of what Jesus says about why he came. here's, Here's a really important thing. Jesus didn't come to make church folk a little better. Jesus didn't come to make moral people a little bit more moral. Jesus says he came to make the sick well. And so the question we have to have for ourselves is, are you sick or are you healthy? Are you sick or are you healthy? I I had a college professor, and he told us the story one time about his son who wanted to get baptized. He was eight years old at the time, and so, you know, he's a good Bible college professor, and so he decides he needs to have a conversation with him, make sure that his son understands um, what he's doing and the statement that he's making and what it means to get baptized, all those types of things. So he sits down with his son, his his wife, and and they sit down at the dining room table, and and he asks him some questions, and, and, and he asks him this really innocent question, 
right? He asks him this innocent question because he's trying to give his son a way to understand and a way to kind of confess that he's a sinner in need of a savior, okay? So he says this to his eight-year-old son. He says, he says, Jose, are you a good boy or a bad boy? Now, eight years old in a short life, there's a, there's a conflict in his mind because he had great parents who loved on him. And like many of you who have parented children, they doted on him for the first eight years of his life, right? I mean, how many times they probably said to him, oh, man, Jose, you are so kind. I saw the way you were loving on this kid and how you were sharing with them, right? Jose, you are so compassionate. Jose, you're such a good boy, right? All these times he'd heard these things, these words of affirmation from his parents. And then his dad asked him, he says, you know, are, are you a good boy or a bad boy? And, and he kind of looks at him and he says, well, dad, I'm a good boy, right? And my professor says something in his brain snapped. And he went from being a dad to being a theologian. And his son says, well, dad, I'm a good boy. And he goes, son, good boys don't need Jesus. <laughs> That's awkward. But I think his point is the same as Jesus is in this moment. Good boys and girls don't need Jesus. Good boys and girls don't need a doctor to heal them. Uh, you know who needs a doctor? You know who needs healing? You know who needs a savior? Someone who's lost. Someone who's drowning. Someone who's addicted. Someone who's broken. Someone who recognizes the darkness and the despair. Someone who's hopeless. Those type of people need saving. I wonder if for some of us, we've spent just a little bit too much time in church and we've forgotten that we too are just sick boys and girls in desperate need of saving. Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So the first question we need to ask ourselves today is, are you sick or are you healthy? Because good, healthy boys and girls don't need Jesus. Broken, sinful, hopeless boys and girls are in desperate need of a Savior. The story that initiated this sentence from Jesus is one we love to share. And I think we love to talk about the story because it's so raw and unexpected and kind of shocking. And it feels like so real in the moment. It's the story. You've probably heard it. Uh, there's four guys and they have a paralyzed friend, four guys and a fifth. And Jesus comes to town and he's teaching and the four guys are like, we need to get our friend to Jesus. Jesus will do something, right? And so they go and they get their four friends and they pack them up and they carry him to Jesus. And then they get to the house and it tells us that the house is so packed that there's no way that even one person could get in the house, let alone four guys carrying their fifth friend. So they do the only logical thing. Obviously, the thing you would do when you came to your neighbor's house is they climb up on his roof, right? Isn't that what you do when you go to your neighbor's house and the door's locked? You just climb on the roof, right? And so they climb on the roof, and then they, they, they want to get G the, their friend in front of Jesus, so they dig a hole through the roof, and they drop him down in front of Jesus. And we love this story. We love this story because it's just so shocking and crazy and weird and feels so raw and so real. Today, 
we are making the statement that we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. To reach people no one is reaching, we'll have to do things no one's doing. And so today I want to see three things from the story of these four friends and their paralyzed buddy. And so if you're a note taker, you're going to love this because I got, I got, I got, Three points for you. Traditional three-point sermon. Three points for you. And they're even going to be on the screen. Everybody ooh and awe for a moment, okay? Yeah, thank you. I appreciate your affirmation here. Okay, so if you're a note taker, here you go, okay? Here's, here's number one. You can write this down if, you, if you're a note taker. It says, we're going to say this. God has called us to bear some burdens. God has called us to bear some burdens. If you are a follower of Jesus, there will be times when God is going to call you to bear some burdens that are not yours. When, when you look at the story, the, 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 the four friends, they had to choose to be inconvenienced. The four friends had to choose, they, they had to know, going to go get their fifth friend, that there was no chance that they were going to get in front of Jesus. They had to choose to be willing to stand outside the building. They had to be, choose to be willing to stand up on a roof on the, in the blistering heat of the Middle Eastern sun, all to carry their burden of their friend. They literally had to carry their friend. You ever tried carrying dead weight? If you're a firefighter or a police officer, you've probably done it plenty of times. But I swear to you, maybe I'm just a pansy. Maybe I'm getting old in my old age, right? Dead weight, it feels like two or three times heavier than just a normal person. And these four friends have to literally carry their buddy to Jesus. Sometimes you are going to be asked, if you're a follower of Jesus, to carry burdens that are not yours. You are going to be asked to be inconvenienced. You're going to be asked by our God to miss out, have to stand outside the building, to have to stand on the heat, to, be, to stand in the heat, to be uncomfortable so that someone else might get to be in front of Jesus. You're going to have to carry some burdens. A couple years ago, there was a lady in our community, and uh, she had two girls and uh, I, I believe, uh, I know, she dearly loved her children. But she was just too busted inside and in her life to love her two daughters in the way, in practice, that she wanted to in her heart. And so eventually her children ended up in the foster care system. And her two daughters ended up being in the homes of two families in our church. Right? And uh, those families began to invite her to church, but not only to invite her to church, those families began to offer to go pick her up and to bring her to church. And, and initially, she just went with them because then it was a little bit extra time outside the court-mandated time that she could spend with her daughters. But through that relationship, them carrying the burdens of loving on her daughter while she got better and she got healthy and took care of herself so she could love her daughters in the way that she really wanted to love them, they developed this relationship, and she got connected to this church. And so after her daughters went back to her, she continued to come to this church. She got plugged into Rooted. She got baptized. And now, actually, just recently, she moved to Twin Falls, Idaho. And you remember back in March? Back in March when we had Eric Nielsen here, and he's planting a church in Twin Falls. One of the questions she asked when she moved over there was she asked, hey, how can I get connected with Eric and the church plant there because I want to be part of helping plant a church in Twin Falls, Idaho? All because... Because two families in our church were willing to carry somebody else's burden. 
as followers of Jesus, you will be asked to carry burdens that are not your own. You will be asked to miss out and to lose out on things that the world tells you you deserve so that maybe, just maybe, someone else might end up at the foot of Jesus. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ, to reach people no one is reaching. We'll have to do things no one is doing. Number two, note takers, here you go. Ready? It's going to be right here on the screen. Watch this. Watch this. Isn't that amazing? Technology. Sometimes God is going to ask you to stand outside. Sometimes God's going to ask you to stand outside. Look at the friends. They went up on the roof and they chose to go on the roof and dig a hole knowing that it would leave them outside the house so that their friend might be able to get inside. They chose to break every barrier, every social barrier, every legal barrier. They went on somebody else's house and destroyed somebody else's property so that Jesus, so that they could get in front of Jesus. Now, I'm not advocating that as far as Jesus, you should go destroy other people's property in some misdelusional idea that people will then get to be in front of Jesus. But this is what happens in the story. See, see, here's, here's what happens a lot of times. Here's what happens a lot of times. Man, we so want to draw near to Jesus. And we want to grow in our faith. And we want to worship Jesus. And so, so, so we, a lot of times, end up not like the friends, but we end up like the rest of the people in the community. And we go, hey, 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 Jesus is coming. Jesus, oh, dude, you got to get yourself some of this Jesus. You got to hear what he has to say. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go, let's go, to, let's go, let's go meet Jesus. Come on, get in close, get in close. You got to listen. Oh, 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 that's so good. Here, I got to take a picture. Here, a little selfie, a little selfie. Jesus, smile. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag all in. Hashtag better together. Hashtag Jesus rocks. Oh, man, my neighbor needs to hear this. My neighbor needs. And we crowd in like this. And here's the most uncomfortable hard part about this is that none of us intended, I really believe it, that none of us intended, but a lot of times the biggest obstacle to Jesus is us. And in our rush to get ourselves to Jesus, we create barriers and obstacles that block others from him. But you see, the four friends, you know what they did? They literally cut a hole in the crowd so that their friend could get in. So their friend could get in. See, a lot of times church looks a lot, a lot, a lot more like a social club, a clique of people with common political values or social values or whatever the, the thing that they are that dress all the same, that connect all together, and we become full of insider language and our own like little micro a uh, cultural thing, an obstacle. But the four friends, the four friends choose to stand outside the circle. They choose, think, think about what the four friends are doing. They cut a hole in the roof and then they stand up there and they just listen faintly through a hole in the roof so that maybe they can hear what Jesus is saying all so that their friend could sit at the feet of Jesus. Often, often God is going to ask us to stand on the outside, to prioritize 
others, to put ourselves second, to break the comfortable circles that we find ourselves in so that someone far from Jesus can find life at his feet. We will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. Number three, if you're a note taker, here it is. God is going to call us to break the rules. Now, I got to be honest, that one wasn't hard for me to write down because there's something inside of me that loves that. You, you know what, the, the, the four friends, they, they went on the roof. We had this conversation. They went on somebody else's roof and they tore a hole in someone else's roof. And there's nothing in the story that tells us they went back and fixed it. I don't, I don't know if God's telling us something in that, but they cut a hole in the roof, right? Nice sunlight now. I, I, I thought, what a touched by an angel moment. You remember that TV show? They're all sitting in this crowded room and all of a sudden this light starts to pour in on Jesus' head and they're like, oh, right? But in their day, their roofs were built different than ours were. They'd have these beams across and then they'd fill them with mud and thatch and, uh, and a lot of times manure, and they'd put the manure on for a specific reason because um, they'd let a little bit of vegetation, a little bit of grass, some weeds is really what we would call it. Some weeds grow on the top because it would help absorb some of the rain when they'd have really big flash rain. But it also helped keep the building cool because it absorbed some of the heat. And then it was somewhere nice to go sit. You know, you ever walked out onto a deck after it's been in the sun all day? It's blistering hot. And so they'd have this kind of vegetation on the roof. So, so here, here, here's the implication. Here's what I want you to see in this. The four friends, to get their friend to Jesus, literally had to dig through someone else's manure. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes Jesus is going to ask you to dig through someone else's manure so that someone can get to Jesus. To break all the rules and dig through a bunch of trash so that someone else can meet Jesus. We will do anything short of sin, to reach people who don't know Christ, to reach people no one is reaching, will have to do things no one is doing. I had a pastor friend of mine uh, a couple years ago say to me, he, he, goes, um, he goes, oh, Sean, that, uh, that Xmas and MCC stuff, that, like, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, right? And then he says this, maybe you've heard this, he goes, he goes but, you know, you keep them with what you catch them with. You ever heard that phrase? It's, it's largely a phrase that um, pastors use to not do anything uncomfortable, right? Because you teach them, you know, so might as well just stand up and teach the body. You keep them with what you catch them with. And I, and I said to him, this is what I said to him. It, it got real awkward after this. And I said, um, I said, you know, I know a lot of people, and maybe you're one of these, uh, that came to understand who Jesus was and give their life to Jesus in third grade in a Sunday school class where they, where they ate fish crackers with flannel graph. But you know what? Our Sunday morning service doesn't look like anything like that. Now, maybe you would argue and I would argue that it would be better if we served uh, uh, fish crackers to everybody in church, that that would make this a better experience. But there's a deal here. Is in following Jesus, we ask you and expect you to grow in your faith. We ask you to grow and mature so that you don't have to be the one rushing in, that you can feed yourself, that you can serve, that you can sacrifice, that you can give, that you can be uncomfortable so that the one far from Jesus can come near to him. We will do anything 
short of sin, to reach people who don't know Christ, to reach people no one is reaching, we will have to do things no one is doing. Many of you probably at this point don't actually know this, but in junior high, my parents moved from Seattle to a little bit south of Dallas, Oregon, about about 10 miles from where I'm standing right now. They moved out there. And uh, when we first moved, we ended up at a church. We'd always gone to church. We ended up at a church in Dallas because of the denominational affiliation. We'd already been, always been a part of this one denomination. And, and uh, the church was in rough shape. It was in, it was in bad place. And um, it wasn't long after we moved there that um, I was sitting in my parents' living room playing uh, Goldeneye. You remember Goldeneye on my Nintendo 64 with my new organ friend, my first organ friend. And at the time, I didn't know, it was a Sunday night, I didn't know that this youth group, Monmouth Christian Church's youth group, um, was hosting an event that they called Barf Night. That sounds like an appropriate youth group event, doesn't it? Right? And it wasn't just because they had a bunch of activities that might induce vomiting. They did, but that's not why they called it that. Right? They called it Barf Night because it stood for bring a real friend. Right? And then we'll watch them vomit. Okay? And so, so uh, <laughs> I'm sitting in my living room, not knowing any of this is going on, and all of a sudden, a group of newer set of friends that I barely knew came bursting in the door and kidnapped me and, and, and my friend that I'm playing my video game with and took us to barf night. Right? So from that point on, I, I was hooked. From that point on, I was involved in the youth group, I was involved in this church, and it was that youth pastor who told me about a place in the armpit of America, in a town I've never heard of, in a state I couldn't find on a map called Joplin, Missouri, about a college there called Ozark Christian College. And so I went there, never having been to Missouri, I probably wouldn't have gone if I ever went, because if you've ever been to Missouri, um, my in-laws are probably watching right now, and they live in Missouri, um, to this college. And I was at this college, and I was out actually recruiting for this college my freshman year, and, and I ran into some people from a different college at a town I also had never heard of, except for the fact it was the namesake of a man named Johnny Knoxville, right? And it was Knoxville, Tennessee, and it was this college called Johnson Bible College, and I transferred to Johnson Bible College, and Johnson Bible College is where I went, met an alumni uh, who, who uh, invited me to come to serve as a youth pastor, and I spent a year and a half serving in northeast Arkansas at a church called Wiener Christian Church in a town called Wiener, Arkansas. It's a real thing. Go look it up. It was right down the street from Flippin', Arkansas. It wasn't flipping, it was flipping without a G, right? And then they did have flipping Christian church, which was awesome, okay? And I ended up there, and it was there that I uh, was at a junior high camp, and I met my wife. Don't worry, she wasn't a junior hire, she was a camp sponsor, okay? And so I met her there, and then we got invited for an internship, and I came back into an internship here, which became a full-time job, which eventually led me to be here. And my question to you would be, what, what set off all of this um, uh, unalterably connected events was someone being willing to do something as ridiculous and stupid as a thing called barf night? Part of the reason I stand here today is because someone thought it was a good idea to do something really stupid to try and reach junior high and high schoolers for Jesus. I wonder why we've decided that we've matured past doing anything to reach people for Jesus. As if, 
as we sit and sample our aged Havarti cheese with our, with, our, with our napkins tucked into our shirts, sampling our Pinot Noir, discussing the impacts of the terroir and the tannins. You like I practice that a lot. That we've somehow matured past. But you see, Jesus didn't give us a small commission. He gave us the great commission. We as the church should be the most creative, the most adventurous, the most risk-taking, the most willing to do anything because if our mission fails, the consequences are catastrophic. And God has given us a great commission to go and do whatever it takes so that little boys and girls, sick and dying and hurting and aching and alone and hopeless and broken, might come to the feet of the great physician, of the great healer of their body and their souls of our Savior. And so we, we will do anything, anything. We'll, we'll send people to other countries, We'll do ridiculous covers of Bohemian Rhapsody. We'll, we'll, we'll drop 20,000 Easter eggs from a helicopter. We would have, and then COVID, right? We'll do back-to-school bash. We'll wear these ridiculously hot outfits and parade ourselves around back-to-school bash. We will do anything. We will have Zoom calls. We'll discuss the philosophical relevance of the Christian faith. We'll do whatever it takes to reach people. Because failure at our Great Commission has eternal and catastrophic consequences. This morning, this morning, if you don't know Jesus, if you're still like trying to figure this thing out and, and, and check this thing out, we want you to know that what we want more than anything else is for you to find life and healing and hope and forgiveness and, and goodness and a future because of Jesus. So this morning, don't let the moment pass. To come before God and say, God, I am a sick, broken person in need of you. Today, may we, may we as MCC live out in everything we do God's great commission that we would go even to the ends of the earth so that others might know Jesus.